You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. TechFan Podcast number 468. I am Tim Robertson. Hi, hi, hi. It's Tim Robinson. <laughs> and David Cohen. And David Cohen. I don't know why I'm starting to send Australian there. <laughs> it was a little bit there. Yeah. 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 A little Crocodile Dundee-ish. Well, let's face it. If you were here. And, yeah, and, well. and I was in Australia. We were both in Australia. You'd probably be deported by now. Oh, no question. <laughs> yeah. I agree with that. I, but in this case, I've been praying for the guys to be deported ever since it started. I just, I, I think we, we're at the point now where we need to start, you know, saying, look, guys, you, everyone's entitled to their opinion and it's a free country and all that, but that doesn't mean you get a pass to do whatever you want. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's the U.S. too. So yeah, it should be everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it should be everywhere. It's basically say, you know, look, yeah, we 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 respect your rights, but your uh, freedoms, but that doesn't give you the right to do whatever you want. I, I so. just think we need a new. I want to say worldwide law. You know, I don't know who would govern it, but and it's real simple, and you could translate it to pretty much any language, and it's just don't be a dickhead. Yeah. Hey, hey, stop being a dickhead. Yeah. And then, you know, if they don't, then you go to jail for 10 days. Yeah. You know, you don't want, it's not forever. It's just, just to correct your ass a little bit. And then the next time it doubles, it's 20 days. Then you get up to 40 and then eight. I mean, it, it takes a while to get up to, you know, serious jail time. But if you're that much of a dickhead, then, you know, yeah, it's going to happen eventually. We could, we could call it the, the worldwide jerk reduction mandate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when our alien overlords come, I'm sure that's the first thing they'll tell about. I was thinking about that yesterday, actually. What, driving our home. alien overlords or the jerk reduction well, mandate. <laughs> if aliens actually came to Earth, why do, would, why do we assume they would be A, carbon based, okay, number one, yeah. and number two, recognize us as an intelligent species? It's true. I mean, if they were. You know, just a hundred thousand years more advanced than we are, and they were silicone based or some bullshit like that. How would we know that they even would recognize us? They could just start setting up shop, and we'd be like, "What, what are they doing?" Well, well, the, they don't. Yeah. They never acknowledge us. We're like nothing to them. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's just just like the way we treat an ant pile. You know, it's just yeah. a creature there, but we don't interact with them. Um, we we assume that that they're on such a different level to us that, that establishing communication and setting up diplomatic relations is not worthwhile. Um, you're absolutely right. I, I think the, f- the flaw in that is that it, if a, I think any aliens that are 100,000 years or more advanced than us probably aren't going to come here because why would they need to? What, you know, what, what can they... Uh, I, I think the problem is is that the, the, the setting for all of those things where aliens come to Earth to take our resources is... Um, is stupid. Is stupid because... You know, they th- there's nothing special about this planet over any other to get resort. If you want resources, and you're that advanced, you just go the nearest place and take what you, take the resources, and that's not going to be another planet. That's going to be well. Even you know, if it was a planet, why not go to an uninhabited one it, well, instead exactly, of screwing yeah. around with one that has a whole bunch of well, um, yeah. The thing is, the on thing it like is, ours. you can get whatever resources you need. You can pretty much get anywhere in the universe. Um, yeah, and uh, and in fact. 
you could probably be at that technology level. You could take any base resource and turn it into whatever you need. You're going to be able exactly. to do it. Yeah, so we're talking 100,000. Let's say that they're 100,000 years ago, they are where we are right now. Yeah, it's, it's and they like, even look just yeah, like us for like, some weird reason. This is the thing. Yeah, even well, I mean, even in some some of our simple, you know, more grounded sci-fi, like uh, you know, if you look at something like Star Trek, they have they have matter replication, and yet in that in those stories, there are always people still squabbling over physical resources, and it's just like you can make it out of energy. And you, exactly. you appear to have unlimited energy. So why are people trying to get dilithium, or whatever? And and then they have to say, oh well, we, that's something you can't do with with uh, with uh, replicators. And it's just like, well, yeah, but that doesn't just doesn't make any sense. If you if you've got a replicator, you can. I remember somebody talking about this a few years ago. They said, Hey, David, yeah, keep talking. I got to move this empty box that the kitty decided is the new stuff. All right, sitting right okay, behind that me. cat really. Like we no, need it's to, a new. It's need, a different cat. Well, right. We still we need to de- yeah. dematerialize yeah, all yeah, the cats. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was a there was a story I read a few years ago, which was um, talking about the shipyards they have in Star Trek, and they said if you have replicators and you can basically create anything out of uh, energy and turn it into matter, why would you need to manually build a starship? Why wouldn't you just replicate the entire thing in one go? And um, it's an interesting thought because obviously that if you have that technology and you need to build something big, then it would make sense just to build it all in one big expand the technology to build it all in one go. And um, and then people go, oh, well, they have technical limitations. That means they can't do that. And it's just like it's not real, dude. So <laughs> you can make you can overcome techni- the real technical limitation is creating uh, matter out of energy. That's the impossible part. So to turn around and then say, oh yeah, but you can't connect two of them up at the same time, or you can't have one that big, is um, is a little bit unfeasible. Um, and uh, you know, because it's it's just effectively magic and. If you're writing the stories of the magic, the uh, stories around the magic, you can make the rules whatever you want them to be. I guess. Um, I suppose the reality is nerds should not stop trying to project how magical technologies might work in the real world because they're magical. Speaking of magical, what have you done with those cats? Have you dropped them into a pocket dimension to play? Yes, yes. That's what you need to do, really. Well, the older one is uh, not in heat now. So she's kind of chill. Yeah. The other one's a kitty, so. Yeah. It's. I think I talked about the cat, the new one, yeah. already. Yeah. Well, you told me about it. I don't know whether you told the listeners or not, but. It, it's a. Cat. Probably 10th generation stray that lives outside. Except now it doesn't. Well, this one doesn't now. Yeah. It decided it wanted to live with us. And now it does. Yeah. And I will say this. You know, when you bring a stray cat in, there's a long time to train a stray cat. And this one wasn't, you know, an infant or anything. It was probably about four months old already. But I will say that this is the most grateful cat I've ever seen. It's just so happy to be in the house. And it learns everything almost immediately. Yep. Like, one time to train for the litter box. Yeah. And it basically just... Wherever Julie's at, it's sleeping next to Julie, or it's 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 not her cat, but it's Did it you, really likes Julie. You're saying Julie is a cat whisperer. Might be. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. 
Maybe she, maybe she's got some genetic disposition that makes her smell like catnip. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Yeah. Strange things have happened. Speaking of catnip, you got a new phone because <laughs> it's like a new phone's like catnip Speaking to you. Speaking of catnip, <laughs> that is <laughs> that is the uh, the most random link ever. <laughs> um, yeah, I got a new phone. Yeah. So um, I, I'm looking at it, and it looks very um, '90s high techish. I, I'd say it's a little bit, a little bit later than that. This is, yeah. yeah. Well, this is um, this is the Unihertz Pocket Titan, or Titan Pocket, um, and Unihertz is a is a, a Chinese company that basically has been kickstartering phones for the last few years, uh, and they did one previously to this called the Titan, which was a bigger one than this. Um, which is hard to imagine because this one is not particularly small. Uh, and what it is, is effectively, it's a modern take on the BlackBerry. And anyone who's listened to this show before knows that I love the Blackberries and I love, I, I find something attractive about phones with a physical keyboard on. So, um, hence my catnip. Yeah, segue. exactly. So I've been, I, I started playing with, I've, I found a box with a whole load of my old phones in. Um, and this, this brought me to mind because BlackBerry recently finally discontinued all of the ser- online services they've been keeping to run to support the old Blackberries for a long time. Um, and they had two, the, the BlackBerry effectively came in two versions uh, before they died. There was the original version that did, the, the classic one that did the text messaging and the BBM and all of that. And then later on, they, they kind of had a go at, modernizing it and they had the um the blackberry 10 os which was their version of a modern os and you can get devices with which run either and all of those services have gone away now so effectively the old blackberries are bricks you can't really do very much with them anymore because all of their internet was relying on uh, blackberries messaging and, and network operation centers and then the the 10 ones still work but if you try and wipe and reset one up it's not it's going to turn it to a brick uh, and so I dug my one out, my uh, BlackBerry 10. I've got a back BlackBerry Classic, which, um, you know, is, is it, it looks like a, it does look like a classic BlackBerry. You've got a keyboard and a bigger screen on it. And uh, I dug it out to see if it still worked. And it still does, actually, at the moment. Um, and I just started browsing around seeing, you know, what what do you if you want a phone with a keyboard now, what do you what do you find? And I came across this and these are very cheap for a, a modern Android 11 sp- uh, smartphone. Yeah, uh, here in the U.S., it's three hundred bucks. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I have to say, it's it's really quite good. It's a rugged phone, so it's it's thick sold boy. out in the U.S. Yeah, it's a thick boy. It's quite heavy, um, but it's re- you yeah. know I take it back. It's definitely not nineties tech. It's it's a two thousand and eight yeah. PC gaming mouse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what it looks like. And and I think they've gone for the ruggedized thing to uh, try and help them out in terms of competing with thin phones. So they've, they've just basically said, well, we're not even going to bother. So it's got thick rubber bumpers, and it, as I said, it's heavy and um, you know quite quite a bit thicker than you would normally expect a modern phone to be. But it feels very solid and chunky. It's extremely well built. Um, and it's as I say, it's running uh, a, virtually the most recent version of Android. Android it's, 11? Yeah. It's got everything on it you would think it has. It's got um, face recognition, uh, a pretty good, uh, well, a very good uh, fingerprint sensor. Uh, the keyboard is capacitive, so you can use it as a trackpad. Um, full touch screen. Um, the screen is obviously small because the keyboard takes up some of the space, um, but it's pretty high resolution. It's very responsive to touch. 
um it's really kind of neat you know um and unlike struggle if you if you are into keyboard phones and you still want an old blackberry uh, i think this is a pretty good alternative because obviously it runs all the latest modern software i've got uh, outlook on here for work and everything uh, and it all works extremely well you know i'm the one that's always saying iphones and android for the most part are boring yeah so i will say this is not boring no um if this came out from apple obviously it would look different but yeah. you know i think it would get a lot more attention simply because the Apple branded logo on there. They would never do a physical keyboard, but yeah. I recognize there are some people that like that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm looking at it, and I, I want to hate it, but I don't. But I also have zero desire to ever no, pick one up. I, I think I very much recognize that this is a this is a niche device, which is why Kickstartering it is, is the perfect thing. But I have to say, as a Kickstarter project, this is probably one of the best I've ever seen. You wouldn't be able to tell this from a you know, a, a manufactured phone from somebody like Motorola or Lenovo or um, Samsung or something like that. It really is that good. Um, of course, it's come from China, so there may be... 3.1-inch screen. Yeah. Which, as I say, it's small, but it kind of fits the form factor with a keyboard, you know. Um, this is for somebody who really loves a manual keyboard. Um, That's the only reason to get this. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's... Uh, oh, well, unless, unless you want cheap rugged new phone that that has something a bit different about it i mean one of the things i noted when i was going through my box of old phones that i got my collection of old phones is that exactly that point is that um a lot of these are extremely innovative i have quite a few with keyboards on and they have keyboards that slide out there's somewhere the phone where the um the screen kind of pushes away on a, on an articulated hinge to show a, a screen underneath. They've all got different screen technologies. I've got one uh, Nokia from about 2008-2009 called the uh, the E7, and the is running um, some variant of Symbian on it. Probably one of the last variants of Symbian. It has an AMOLED screen, um, and you wouldn't realise it's as old as it is when you're actually using it. It's actually, you know quite usable and and the operating system works in a way that was was very advanced for the day considering what the iphone was doing at the same time you know it has gestures it has um, um multitasking side by side multitasking and stuff like that on a phone that that you know i mean remember when the iphone came out it didn't even have copy and paste uh, and this is only a couple of years after that that was first launched so um you know, there is something to be said about the fact that the consolidation in the phone market has led to far less innovation. Um, mm. And, and you, as you write, you're right. We basically have incremental increases of the uh, capabilities of the black glass slabs every year. Uh, and nobody's doing anything different. And I, I think doing something different, there's something for that because there's going to be a lot of misses uh, and there's going to be a lot of things that only fit for, uh, that are only fit for particular people. And so they're not mass market. But by the same token, um, every now and again, somebody's going to stumble across something really good and maybe it'll take hold, you know, so. You never know. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of why a company like DuckDuckGoose launched an alternative to Google, you know, because a lot of people don't like Google. They want something different. Here's a search engine that launches and it's definitely different than Google. Yep. But Google is getting sued by them now. Well, they're not getting sued yet. They're yeah. duck, duck, or are they? Duck, duck, goose no. is something different. It's duck, duck, go 
Oh, Duck Duck Go. Sorry, Duck Duck Goose is a yeah, but but yeah. but that's that's Duck Duck Go. Duck Duck Goose is what obviously what inspired the name. Uh, and yeah, they are. I'm not, I'm not so sure about this. I mean, it's true what they say, but then Duck Duck Go are, are kind of making out like they're the only target of this, and they're not. Duck Duck Go. Uh, Google is doing this for everybody, but um, they are being sued. That. Um, claims that the browser extensions that are available are um, doing tricky stuff in the background to try and um, harm non-Google search engines. So um, they, they're claiming that they're um, that what happens is that you get uh, the extensions you might run in Chrome or something like that will try and switch you back to Google search when you try and reset the search to dot, dot, .go uh, and then occasionally they're saying that um, they are using they are using their own search stuff in the background and not telling the user that uh, that they're not using the default search engine they're just routing everything to google some of this comes across as well duh <laughs> you know i i would not expect anything less from, well, from alphabet it, yeah I, I this is unfortunately this is the way modern technology goes everyone's trying to leverage their own platform um, and if you use a competitive product yeah, you. It, it, I'm not. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm not surprised that when you find that um, when you look into it, that that competitive product is not completely complying with all the rules on on your system and doing exactly what you think you've told it to do. Um, yeah, if all, all the all the um, tech companies are doing this, and uh, it's not a surprise, particularly for the ones where where advertising is their business and driving traffic is their business. So just in the same way, we shouldn't be surprised that when you put a, a Facebook tag on a, on a web page, it's doing its level best to try and track that Facebook user wherever they go after they've hit that tag. Uh, and um, it doesn't surprise me that Google's doing the same. My argument has always been with Google over other companies who do stuff like this is that you, we, we all kind of know Google does this because we know Google is all about driving traffic to Google. Yep. So, um, so That's their business. It is their business. I mean, obviously, yes, it's anti-competitive in that DuckDuckGo, they, they, their, their business model is use us and then you won't have to deal with Google doing what, what they do. And they're saying that, that Google are fooling users into um, coming away from DuckDuckGo when they've set that as a preference. Um, I don't. I don't really know whether this this lawsuit will go anywhere. Um, you know, Google will argue that the changes they've made are perfectly fair and and legal, and that people should know when they're using their products that it's going to go through Google. This this article you've posted is in the Washington Post. <laughs> who obviously are are not completely arbitrary because they're owned by the guy who you you set up Amazon, so yeah. they have. Uh, you could wonder whether perhaps editorially they are um, they have the, the completely ind independent perspective you might hope on this um, the story here everything is I've seen though I, I, let me stop you there because yeah. I've heard this argument before especially from right wing people um, show me a whole bunch of bias stuff on the Washington Post well 
That's the point. You can't. No, well, no, I'm, I can't. I'm tired I can't. of that it's, straw man yeah, argument. Like, it's diff- oh, well, it's difficult. Just because it's oh, it's owned by this guy, so maybe, shh, maybe no, they're well, not. Now, bullshit. The only thing I would bullshit. say, the only thing to say on that, it's very difficult to prove a negative. But looking through this article, um, I mean, look. To be fair, it doesn't mention anybody else, but it it it, it certainly does not address. It only talks about the relationship between DuckDuckGo and Google. That's what what the story is. That is the story, but many other articles, in fact, something else we've got on our list, would then bring in the activities of other companies as a comparison in the same sector. And I think Washington Post avoids doing that. So they don't bring in, they don't talk about Apple or Microsoft or anybody, Facebook or anybody else. But they do write about those topics as well. They're just not in one giant incorporated article that would take you four years to read. I don't... I don't understand the the argument here. I, well, I, I'd be interested to know how much they cover Amazon on the Washington Post. They've actually gone out of their way to post negative stuff about Amazon, especially when it comes to the unionization. They've gone out of their way to well, yeah, but you, the unionization is a different distant, yeah. No, but they've they've gone out of their way over the years to uh, distance themselves from ownership and what he may think. Right, but I'm looking. I, so I've just done a I've just done a search. On, on here, I'm, I'm waiting until the paywall hits me and, and kicks me off. But I'm just looking at, at the various articles they've written about Amazon. Yeah, and they are very much focused on the physical side of the business. There we go. Here's the paywall. Um, th- so they talk about unionization. They talk about problems in the warehouses. They um, talk about that. There's very little. I, I think there's one article I found here that talks about Amazon's online businesses. Uh, and, and I'm sorry, they are um, part of the tech landscape as much as Apple or Facebook or Google or Microsoft or any of the, or F, any of the others. And <laughs> my concern would be that I don't think that gets equivalent coverage in the Washington Post, whether that's on purpose or whether that's just organically how it happens because uh, uh, editors and writers subconsciously realise that um, that that the, that's a corporate overlord. Uh, even of even a distant one, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's not. It's, you don't know, but you make the accusation. So I, I'm fine. I'm not making an accusation. I'm making. You kind of did. Oh, no, I'm not. That's I'm, exactly what you did. I'm making an observation. I'm fully admitting that I don't have the evidence to back it up. I'm saying this is a speculation and a hypothesis, um, and a and a casual look at the data doesn't disprove my hop- hypothesis. But as I say, it doesn't prove it either. I think that. Um you are correct in that they all do this. I have, as an example, on my Mac, set Google as my default search engine. Okay? Yeah. So if I right-click and select something on a Google page or on a web page and I'm in Chrome and I hit search, it searches within Chrome for that thing. Now, I've told the Mac, use Google. Now I go to Notes, select a word, right click and go down to search with google and it launches safari but it's, huh. yeah but still searching with google it's just using safari to do it. no no i've told it that chrome is my default yeah. browser yeah and it still launches safari uh all the os's do that because if you go to a windows machine and you set uh, chrome as your default browser if you do any sort of search from the operating system it will come up in edge which is microsoft exactly browser. and that's exactly what you're saying yeah. so they all do this they all do this yeah yeah and the difference is, you know, Chrome really doesn't make their own computers. You can argue that Chromebooks are their computers, but 
Google really doesn't. Alphabet, I should say, doesn't really make their own Chromebooks. At no. least nothing that's competitive. They've tried in the past, but they were just way overpriced and yeah, they're not. They weren't competitive. They're not at all. big in the uh, well. They're not big in the <clears> end user <throat> computing space on the desktop and laptop. They obviously they are huge on mobile, and I suspect the reason they don't really try that hard on the desktop is because they reckon they recognize that mobile is where it's at. Um, and then I'm sure they, they say, oh, I don't care if people are using a desktop, desktop computer. Um, I hope they're using Chrome. But um, the fact is, if they have an Android phone in their pocket, then that's good enough for us. And why do they need to make your own software or hardware when your software is on all the hardware platforms? Uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, you could say, well, they're not on TVs. Really? You ever hear YouTube? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, why, why does Google want to make their own TV? They don't have to. You know, they have Amazon's making their own, but yeah. they're more like Apple when it comes to that. Yeah. They own the platform. They and, and the and, platform yeah. is physical and software. They do make TVs. They do have TVs with Google embedded, and uh, obviously they make devices. But they don't. They don't TVs. make the TVs. Yeah, no, no, they license the technology exactly. Yeah. Whereas um, where Amazon actually makes their own TVs. This is true. Yeah. So Again, yeah, I, it's it's um. I think it's interesting that they, you know, you have all these different ecosystems, but we take for granted that, for the most part, this story notwithstanding, for the most part, they all play nice with each other. For the most part, it could be a lot worse, a lot oh, worse. Oh yeah, I, and I, it's I, not. And I, and I think this is this is the difficulty: is that the defense of um, of every company that does these sort of things that DuckDuckGo are complaining about here is that in the main they don't do them so obviously in your face the lock-in is not um is is not ruthless or it doesn't appear to be ruthless it's kind of like the velvet glove in that it actually is quite ruthless in terms of what they're taking off you but you don't realize it um, yes. It's presented very friendly uh, and and on a surface level yeah they say oh yeah but you can you can but they're not taking without giving back. They're they're yeah, taking, I, but they're also giving you something. And of course, and for this, the most part, we think we're getting a good deal here because hey, this isn't costing me anything. Yeah, well, the, the, this, kind of is, is. this is this is exactly it. I mean, twenty years ago, um, any you know, twenty thirty years ago, maybe uh, anything. I mean, we you and I were there in the in the eighties and the nineties when computing grew up. Um, everything was fully locked down, and you didn't get anything. Anything you you wanted, you had to pay for. Um, and if you wanted new software, you had to go out and buy it, and it wasn't cheap. Um, and the capabilities we get from the ability to use stuff online. I mean, I mean, even with Google, I remember when Gmail first launched, yeah, and it was like, yeah, unlimited storage for all your mail forever uh, for, at no charge. And people were stunned by that. Yeah. And I remember one of the concerns about YouTube when YouTube, before YouTube was acquired by Google, was you know this service is fantastic but it can't ever scale to be remain, remain being free and at what point are they going to start charging you and at that point does the value of the platform disappear because how many people are going to pay to get cat videos every month but the the beauty of what google's business model is is they found a way to monetize it without making without taking money directly from us the end user um and uh, and to the point that the people who put stuff on youtube can make a living out of it you know we always talk about who's the biggest streaming service and we always point to netflix but they're not youtube is yeah by far it's not even close 
I mean, how many websites do you go to that has a video and it's it's YouTube? Well, yeah, it's always embedded, isn't it? It's uh, yeah. every now and again. It's, it's um, what they call daily motion or something else. Yeah, but most of the they, time they are they they're brilliant. You know, they they embed in Facebook and websites. Um, you know, YouTube by far is the king when it comes to streaming services. Now, they tried to have a paid service with original content. And it failed miserably because that's not their strong suit. I could have told them when they first launched the whole YouTube's creator thing that, you know, you can only watch us if you subscribe and it costs money and blah, blah, blah. And it, Cobra Kai was their biggest hit. And they had to cancel that because nobody was paying for it. Everybody was bootlegging it, uh, basically. And and that's an interesting example because uh, my wife and I have just watched finished watching season four of Cobra Kai. Uh-huh. On, which is now on the UK. It's on Netflix. It um, is here too. Yeah, and it's a brilliant series. It's awesome. Uh, it, it's it took what sounded like a pretty janky concept, and it's made a great, great uh, piece of entertainment out of it. Um, so they cancelled it because it wasn't it wasn't supportable on the business model. It wasn't that the show itself was crap because it's turned out to be Correct. a big hit on Netflix. And, and the first two seasons are, and honestly, are still the best. Yeah. And they were YouTube exclusives until Netflix basically bought the show from because Google. You, because you could, YouTube were going to pull it because... The, exactly. Yeah, you know. yeah, they got it for the cheap and then it's one of Netflix's biggest hits every year right now. Yeah. Which is awesome because it's a good show, but it goes to show that if you stray too far from what people want of your service, it's not going to succeed. Yeah. You know, which is why I've always questioned the concept of Apple building a car. It's like, eh, do they, yeah. is that really what people want from Apple is a car? Well, it remains to be seen whether that's actually what they want to do or not. Um, or they want to be I, I the think, software that I, drives self-driving cars. I, I think. Well, I you. think part of the problem is that is that we've never we've never seen the elevator pitch from Apple about what this project was meant to do, and it could well That's true. It could well be it's that all it, speculation. Yeah, yeah, it could well be that it's always just been a research project to look at car-related stuff, but not necessarily with an end product in mind. They are developing technology, and they know they'll use it at some point. Rather than you know, let's face it, they can afford to do that. It's uh, uh, some of the best things in the world have come out of skunk works where um, somebody's well, gone the, and said, the well, let's iPhone, just... Yeah. The iPhone, the Xbox, the Mac. Yeah, where, where people have said, let's just sit and try and do something different and see what comes out of it. And, yeah. uh, and There's a show, I believe, I think it's on, it's free on YouTube, if I'm not mistaken. It was They broke it up into five parts, but you can watch the whole thing in one go, which is like, oh, it's way too long. Um, but it's how the Xbox came to be, yeah, and they kind of did it on the anniversary Xbox. Yeah, I've heard it's brilliant because it's, it's got, really yeah. good, and they don't shy away from talking about the other companies, especially when they launched. Yeah, you know when Sony came out, one of the big things on the show, and I remember when this happened, um, Dreamcast had come out, and you know they were because that was the big system. Sega's going to do something amazing. Nintendo's yeah. going to do something amazing, and then. What was it? The uh, the first PS one. Yeah. The whole keynote from Sony. The guy gets up there with all these notes, kind of shuffles around for a minute, and just leans in. And they were the last ones up. Yeah. They were the. They, he just leans in and goes two ninety nine, <laughs> and walks away, and just destroyed all of the other companies. And that one simple price. Yep. Destroyed the Dreamcast. 
this yeah. Sony just right then killed them. And Microsoft's own production references it, shows yeah. it. And Microsoft was like, "Oh crap! How are you going to compete now? Because they hadn't launched the Xbox yet." Yeah, it was it was a really good series. It's definitely worth watching, and it was a Skunk's Work project. And and at the time, one of the largest, most profitable companies on the planet, Microsoft. And I was into gaming then. And yeah. when they first started talking about it, I was like, "Microsoft's going to do a console. This is going to suck." It's gonna be a 386 souped up. Who's gonna, the hell's gonna make that? You know. Yeah. But it was easy to program, unlike the other competitor competitors at the time. Yeah, I th I th I think that's that's certainly true. I mean, I think one of the reasons the PlayStation One was such a massive success was um, as as well as the price was the fact that they they broke open a lot of the limitations that uh, we talked about closed systems before. They broke open a lot of those. In Nintendo, you you were you still are beholden to Nintendo every time you release a game for their system. Maybe right. maybe less nowadays with the online stuff for Switch, but um, but back then, you know, you were it was the old Atari model. You were paying them for cartridge licenses, and they had to manufacture the cartridges for you, and they had to approve everything. And and, and so, they would limit how many. Yeah, and the Sony did away with that first of all because the system ran on a, a disc, which meant the the Dirt production cheap. costs were a lot cheaper. But secondly, they're they're um, their engagement rules were a lot simpler, um, and uh, and yeah, they're, they're, unlike Xbox, their system still wasn't particularly easy to write for. But mm -hmm. the thing is, the thing is, they had a cool factor that none of the other video game man, uh, manufacturers had. And they had a had lower the price time. point, yeah. which was big at the time. And and yeah, you could get good quality. Ga oh, I th I still think so. You can get good quality games for not much money. Yeah, uh, and the console was not much money, and um, it was also smaller and lighter and all of the other things. I think it was a it was a confluence of stuff, um, but it, it it is certainly interesting to see how the um, the puck has moved between different manufacturers over the years, um, and and how people have responded to that. I still think today um, one of the smartest companies in video gaming is Nintendo. Because oh no question, and when we talk about innovation, we talk about innovation with the phones before. Look at the innovation Nintendo; they've gone from all they've gone through all sorts of different form factors and interfaces and everything like that. They've never and they've never been afraid to throw away what they've done before and do something brand new. And and most times, not all the times, but most times they do it and they hit it out the park. You know, most so, times, not most every times. time. Yeah, not every and, time. And. But that's a, an important distinction because if you expect everything's going to be hit and you have a couple that's not, then you're going to be less likely to take a chance next time. And let's be honest, Nintendo is slow moving compared to the rest of the video game industry. Yeah, they are. But the the point is they're slow but very deliberate. And again, you look at the, you look at the experience of the Wii U. The Wii U was meant to be a souped up Wii with all sorts of extra. It was basically the the Sony model. It was let's take the old one. Let's throw in a whole load of extra stuff, um, um, more of the same, uh, and then release the uprated model. It'll be a big hit, and nobody bought it. No, right? I did because I'm stupid. Well, but yeah, but a lot of people didn't. And so, what did they do after that? They said, "Okay, um, that didn't work. Let's go let's in a completely different part. direction. Let's take our well, biggest seller, which is the handheld, and let's take that into something that's a hybrid of handheld and, and a mm -hmm. home console. And, and let's not make it nearly as powerful." 
or well, high res well, is what's out there. They couldn't and yet it's, Well, but they could now, but they still haven't released yeah. uh, a 4K but that, version th- of that. I think there's a good reason for that because they want to keep that low price point. And if you want to make it both handheld and fixed, you can't turn it into a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox, 3, uh, Xbox Series S because you can't make that hardware portable. It needs too much power, generates yep. too much heat. So you say, okay, so we scale the, prof- the, the platform down. Uh, and we make it as um, flexible as possible. But the thing is, you know what? People are prepared to give up performance to be able to play these games yeah, handheld. No question. Yeah. They have, and everyone, it, it's never, people try to make it about performance, especially when they compare like the Xbox X to a PS5, which is more powerful. And yeah. it, who cares if the games suck on it? Exactly. It, it doesn't make any difference. And, and again, it's, it's like this thing we've said before with the TVs. Uh, in that once you get a beyond a certain level of performance, the extra is nice, but it, most people can't see it. So I'm sitting here, I'm playing Halo Infinite on a monitor in front of me on my Series S, yeah, and it's only running at full one four four uh, 1440p. I don't care <laughs> if, it's, if it's better than that. The frame rates are brilliant. There's no yeah, tearing. Great. There's no pop-up. There's none of that. So anything extra, yeah, be would be great, but... Personally, it I don't I don't care for any more than that. Uh, and if I'm, playing, a, uh, if I'm playing on a handheld, you know, and it's going to be 720p, again, I don't care. I'm playing on a handheld. You know, I'm taking it wherever I want. I'm not going to go, oh, I wish, wish this was 1440p and 240 frames per second because I'm playing it on a handheld, for God's sake. When, yeah, and that, when you're handheld, all you're interested in is how long can I keep playing before the battery dies? Yeah. yeah. Now, you've you got a series, uh, a series X. I did, yeah. I I know. Just not too long ago, I was saying Series S is the way to go. Yeah. From a price point and an availability standpoint, it plays all the games, <clears throat> but it's discless. But you know, who cares now? Um, and I still have it, but I did get an X, and it was because uh, a certain company let me know that I had the ability to buy one. Yep. I didn't pay any subscription fee or anything like that. That's the big thing that was going around. Yeah. Um, you, hey, if you become a member that costs this much money, you will have exclusive um, times that you can buy an Xbox or a PS5. And I was like, I already got a PS5, and yeah. I'm not giving you a thousand dollars a year for essentially nothing yeah. for the opportunity to buy a machine. That, that's uh, snake oil. That is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And um, but no, I. So at this point, I've got an X, and of course the PS5, and I don't really notice any difference between them i I, it depends on the game you know i haven't started halo infinite yet i keep planning to and i know it's got a sandbox mode to it you got to get like halfway through the game or something and it turns into the legend of zelda when it comes to kind of free roaming that sounds cool to me yeah in in fact i wish the whole game was like that from my understanding but yeah I, i plan on playing it and the only reason i bought it is because i had the opportunity yeah, and I thought maybe I'll I'll just turn around and resell it, and of course, I didn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't regret buying it. Yeah. It's just now I've got both systems, the S and the X, and it's kind of superfluous. What do I need the S for if I've got the X? You well, know? yeah, I guess if you're going to sell one, you might as well sell the S, mightn't you? Yeah, I'm not going to sell either one. You know me. Yeah. Um, I'll probably put the S in the living room, but I mean I've got. I, and I think I talked about it either here on uh, Geeks Pub. Um, I got a PS4 sitting in there that I had to replace the hard drive, and I yeah. put a much larger SSD drive in it, 
and it woke that system up like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. But I still don't play it because I've got a PS5 sitting yeah. here. Why? Why would I go play that? Um, I did see an article this week that to try to alleviate the dearth of PS5s in the wild that Sony has cranked up production on PS4, and I yeah. thought, why? Well, because why? Because they can't make the PS5s, so they can still churn out the PS4s. But nobody's buying the PS4. Well, I think people are buying the PS4. I think I that's don't think so. I think there's a lot of people. I mean, this is a situation we were in with my son last year. Is that we wanted to, we couldn't get him a PS5, so we bought him a PS4. You know what? He loves the PS4. Uh, oh, it's it, a great system. That's not the argument. The argument is in 2022 when the Xbox or when the uh, PS5 has been out for what two years now, you're yeah. ramping up production on a. 10 year old system because you can't make the new ones I think it doesn't think, make a lot of sense well I, I think they are they're looking at the sales of the <clears> PS4 and they're saying it's still strong enough to justify it's the difference between people buying something and getting into the Sony ecosystem or buying nothing I, I but think, I'm, I'm reading I stories a, with stores saying they've got shelves full of PS4s and well, nobody's buying them well, unless you already have a PS4 and yours died then they buy them but very few people are getting into Sony because of the PS4 at this I'm point. Sh- I, I, I'm sure if Sony decided not to discontinue manufacturing and to keep making them, that they have the metrics that justifies that. Um, I think I think their play is um, uh, their play is effectively they'd rather have a PS4 on the shelf that somebody buys a Sony system than goes and switches to Xbox. No. Yeah. I don't know. I, I still think if, if you don't have a modern game system and you're wanting to get one, get a Microsoft Xbox Series S with yeah. Game Pass. Yeah, That's no, the no. key. Get, I, get, you have to get Game yeah, Pass. I completely agree with you. Um, <clears throat> I, I Don't get me wrong. Um, I'm, not, um, I'm not saying that the PS4 is the best solution, um, but uh, I can... It's I can, available. It's avail- you could buy one. It's, it's available. You buy one, yeah. You know, I, for some... The, the thing is... I presume they're going to make sure that uh, upcoming titles continue to support PS4 as well as PS5. Um, because oh, they ha- you kind of have to because yeah. there's just not a big enough install exactly. base. Exactly. So I suspect their strategy there is is people will buy PS4s to use while they wait to be able to get a PS5. But they they have sold millions of PS5s at this point. So if you came out with a PS5 exclusive that's really good, it's guaranteed it's going to sell millions of copies. Yeah. You know, it's just that's how it is. Um, and the Spider-Man game, Miles Morales, is a good example. Yeah, Cole was dying to play that game, so I got it for him. It was a Christmas present, and he beat it in a week while I was working, sitting in in my office playing on the PS5. Yeah, and he said the graphics are amazing. Then he went and played the original Spider-Man game. Now that's a PS4 game. Yeah, and I asked him if the graphics were any better, and he was like, "It's a little better on Miles Morales, but you forget about it in a few seconds." Yeah. Which is kind of the point. If it's a good game, graphics don't really matter. They do, but they don't. Yeah. I, I, I mean, mean, you can't forgive shitty graphics. To, if, if it's just an eyesore, even if it's fun, that's one of the things you're always going to mention. It's kind of shitty graphics. Yeah. But, you know, whereas if it's a great game and it has good graphics, hey, even better. Yeah. Ex- well, exactly. I mean, going back to Halo. Uh, so I played... I, I caught myself up on Halo over the last few months. So I played, um, I'd only ever played Halo 3 and then, then the, the kind of the offshoots from that. So when I got my X Series S, I played uh, Halo 4, which was on the Master Chief collection. So that was a 360 game. 
and then I played Halo 5 Guardians, which was an Xbox One exclusive. Yeah, that's not a good game. Uh, you know, I kind of enjoyed it, but it's not as good I think as, the best Halo yeah. game up, and this is, I haven't played the new one yet. Yeah. Um, I still think Halo 2 is the best. Yeah, and I played, I also finished Halo 2, which I'd never Such a good I'd game, good finished. story. Yeah. Just really good. And I played Halo 2 as part of the Master Chief Collection, so I got the improved graphics versus the original Xbox version of that. So, um, but, you know, going from 4 to 5 and then to Infinite, every time you can see the improvement in the quality yeah. of the graphics, yeah? Halo 5 was quite a big step up from 4 in terms of the graphical presentation. Um, and then Infinite is a big step up again. But the point is, is I could still go back and play any of them at the lowest resolution and the lowest performance, like the Halo 4 or Halo 3, and I still enjoy them. The games are very good. Um, yep. obviously it's an icing on the cake the thing that really makes the difference for me actually is funnily enough is not the higher resolutions and the sharper textures and everything it's the very these buttery smooth frame rates that they're capable of generating now for me yeah, that's the that real, makes a huge difference yeah, you really, go back and play the first halo on a modern system and yeah. it, man it, yeah, it feels it, janky it just in, in, it does increase the immersiveness when you're playing the game the fact that um, that it's so smooth um, oh yeah, and that, that is a that is a big difference. But the thing is, any of these modern systems can deliver that now. Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I put this story in there because PayPal is facing a lawsuit. Yeah, and pay and look, we've been in the tech field for a very long time. Not just podcasting, but I mean, I I my writing and and being in the tech field predates paypal yeah so i remember when paypal was the thing for online payments i kind of think it still is in some respects but they were known for years to freeze people's accounts and essentially freeze it and then just steal your money and close your account so and it was always very dubious why they would do this and yeah they weren't real they weren't regulated like a bank so you didn't have any recourse you didn't have any federal protections that's that's exactly the point <laughs> this is exactly the point of this this story here so but i think the thing is I mean, let, let's face it we've got paypal um we've got a lot to owe to paypal um uh PayPal was uh, is one of the ways that Elon Musk generated part of his vast fortune, and uh, yeah. that has given us Tesla and SpaceX and Starlink and all of those other things. Um, other people like Peter Thiel, who's a big um, big guy in in California in the tech industry, uh, he helped start PayPal. So, uh, and and it really was at a time when the banks and the credit card companies were kind of really leery about doing online paypal came along and solved the problem in they made it easy cheap and pretty reliable to be able Pe to peer to peer to peer payments yeah and at a time when everybody was using ebay exactly yeah and you in know, fact it, ebay ended up buying paypal for a long time they've dropped them now they've uh, yep. sold them about five years ago but uh and ebay have now gone to direct and certainly in the uk have gone to direct payment so they're basically you pay ebay directly now when you buy stuff on there um but for a long time yes they were the only really truly safe way of uh, of exchanging funds online so but there was always horror stories well, about yeah, because thousands of dollars disappearing and yeah. no recourse uh, because they they were a, a, a your typical online startup um, lowly staffed um 
broad policies that that could be subjected to um, fairly arbitrary sometimes interpretation by staff, uh, outsourced services and support, and and all of those things are, are are all things that give you sometimes give you lousy service. And it's a situation where when you fall between the cracks of policy, you can suddenly find that you're in trouble with them. Now, my I, you know I've been using PayPal and eBay and everything since probably the late 90s yeah, yeah same so my attitude has always been with paypal and and i don't understand the people in this lawsuit either i don't keep money in my paypal account you keep a couple hundred you keep enough that if it disappeared it's not a big deal exactly yeah that's but how you look at paypal, is, PayPal somebody's is, got a hundred thousand yeah, dollars i know like, what are you crazy yeah um so so this is the thing because paypal links to your bank account and it's easy to move money back and forth. So yep. I take the view that I don't leave money in my PayPal account. No, as yeah. soon as I generate any kind of significant funds, it's gone. Exactly. I move it right out. Because when I need to pay for something with PayPal, I can pull it straight out of my bank. And yep. that way, the the money sits where it belongs in a regulated but financial there's a reason, institution. Exactly. But there's a reason that we do that. And the reason is neither of us, and I would argue that anybody listening to this podcast should take the same view. Neither of us trusts PayPal. I don't trust them at all. I, I trust them about as much as I trust any other online tech company like Apple or anybody else. In when it comes to services, and especially services involving money, you can sometimes fall foul of a policy that you either didn't know about or they've misinterpreted or something like that. And when that happens, there is nobody to call to say, right. you know, look, this is what happened and... This is how it came about. And well, I, my argument I, is it doesn't breach your policy, so therefore you can reconsider this. You can have those conversations with a bank. You can't have that conversation with PayPal because nobody to speak to. They are nope. specifically designed not to allow you to call people up. That's right. Yeah. Yep. And here's the thing. I, I read this article, and then I actually read a little bit of the lawsuits. Yeah. Um, I don't see how PayPal wins this. I think, I think they are screwed. Yeah. that they are going to have to fall under some kind of a federal, and it's going to have to be in the U.S. because it's a U.S.-based company, federal regulations as a bank. You can't you, you can't just run willy-nilly forever with people's money. Right. So the only thing I would say is whenever I see an article like this, I'm very conscious that I'm you're only getting one side of the story. Yeah, yeah I, but uh, yeah. yes and no, no, because I've had issues with PayPal in the past, but here's the thing. Um, I've had money taken three times that wasn't authorized. I won two of them, but I lost one of them. Yeah. It wasn't much money, but that's not really the point. Um, and then when I've had problems and I've used PayPal uh, arbitration, they seem pretty fair. I mean, yeah. I bought something just, I don't know, November. It was a Christmas decorations. And what I bought and what I was shipped, two totally different things. I took pictures of the item that I received and I linked to the original ad, if you will. And within 12 hours, I got my money back. So someone at PayPal looked at my pictures, looked at the ad and said, yeah, this was a scam. And they just refunded my money. Yeah. Now that company freaked out. They, they were not happy about having to refund the money because obviously it was pulled right out of their account and put right back into mine. Um, they weren't happy about it and they were 
trying everything to, to convince well, me. I will send you the real product. Please submit so, payment again. Yeah, so, and, so this is these are the sort of people who will be on this side of these lawsuits. I don't think so because if you look at, for instance, the lady who runs her own little business, um, and and she was robbed of. I don't even. It's been a while since I read this article. Yeah. Um, she's got. A, I think it's an Etsy business. Yeah. Um, forty-two thousand dollars of her money. Who the hell leaves freaking forty-two thousand dollars in PayPal? Another guy, in he's like a gambling guy. One hundred and seventy-two thousand dollars. You're just stupid. Well, I'm yeah, not saying that you deserve it, but you are stupid. So, so the, here's the thing. See, these are the ones that 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 uh, to me this doesn't pass the sniff test. He yeah, was selling. He was selling uh, pens that inject hyaluronic acid into the skin. That right. is immediately you think, well, that's a an unusual business. It's not regulated. Um, and they actually have a policy at eBay that they don't at PayPal, or, yeah. uh, PayPal that yeah. they don't allow any kind of an injectable. They yeah. don't allow it. Right. So he's saying that they took him money without giving any explanation, and then then he says his his wife apparently got a letter uh, after a six month freeze saying she violated the user agreement by accepting payments for fillers not approved by the FDA. Well, that's to me. I, first of all, I don't. When somebody says, "Oh, I only got a letter after six months," you have you kind of go, "Oh, really? Really? You saying that no? That six months your account was frozen and you weren't able to get any comment from anybody?" Um, you know they're hard to reach, but they're not always impossible to reach. Um, and I, I, I mean, look, if I had one hundred seventy-two thousand dollars frozen over six months, I think one hundred seventy-two thousand dollars. I would not leave it six months before I did something no. about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that, that's a little like. Mm, the, and this is what I mean: smell, is that, is that this is test. this is one. And don't get me wrong; I'm sure there are people who perfectly legitimately as i've said have found themselves on the wrong side of policy for some reason they had their accounts frozen and struggled to get the money back yeah but i, I think the difficulty is this sort of lawsuit it, it, they go out and they find everybody's got a beef with paypal and 90 percent of them are dodgy people and who are not not telling the whole story right yeah and but i still I say, don't see how paypal is, in a yeah. paypal account yeah, and you don't. You're not putting that in the bank. That one Why is that? Why do you not want it to go into a federally regulated uh, and auditable instrument? But why does PayPal, PayPal then get to keep all the money that's in there? That doesn't sound. Now I can understand if PayPal's policy is being what it is, and you violate it, they close your account, cut you a check, and you're gone, and they ban you. Well, that's one thing. Yeah. But to steal. Well, they say this, uh, the guy, the guy, the hundred seventy thousand dollars. They say that the uh, money was taken to pay for liquidated damages arising oh, from those well, violations. Horseshit, horseshit. What damages? What did what did pay, what did PayPal have to do because of his account? Well, maybe that's nothing. Pay, maybe that's pay the FDA. Uh, I don't know. They had to pay employees. That's what they had to pay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's horseshit. Yeah. If he violated your policy, fine, ban him from the system, kick him off. But you don't get to keep his money. Yeah. This is the same thing in the U.S. with uh, seized property from law enforcement. Yeah. If you're, if I'm driving through Kentucky with my Michigan car and I get pulled over and I got $50,000 cash, they can just take it. Hmm. And I have to prove that it's not illegally gotten money. That's yeah. horseshit. It's yep. horseshit. And, and this is the same thing. You can't just take someone's stuff as a private company and just be like, well, it's ours now. <laughs> 
What? No, it's not. Give me my money back. Well, if the, you want to ban me, that's one thing. If you want to kick me off your platform, that's another. Be but some, you can't just take my money. Yeah, there'll be something in the user group agreement that basically says a PayPal reserves yeah, right but to people, confiscate people, your money. Yeah, but and, people and, people win lawsuits against those kind do, of things but, all the time. But the, and I don't the, see how they're going to win this. The reason, they really yeah, don't. Well, that, that's exactly the reason that that's put into a policy is because they know that for a long time most people won't have the resources or the technical exactly. to file a lawsuit and get it over that's right yeah yep. um the, yeah, what are you gonna do about it pal the, huh this, you ain't gonna well, do yeah. shit that's so, what you're gonna do so the, shit the difficulty paypal have now is that the regulatory attitude in the u.s is changing as yep. we've just been talking about people are becoming deeply more skeptical and suspicious of the activities of big technology and i yep. don't don't get me wrong I don't think this is anything other than normal corporate America practice. I think. Oh, I agree. I, I think any company in the states, in particular, which has particularly predatory um, uh, corporate policy uh, and is very much uh, not in the place of the consumer in a lot of places, um, I think there's plenty of companies who behave like this because they can, and because they know until it gets to a courtroom. Um, without assessment, that it won't get overturned, and and so I, I think I don't think this is anything particularly out of the ordinary for a American business, but I I think times are changing and um, uh, there's going to be a bit of a reckoning, and uh, stuff like this is not going to help if it goes in front of a judge, uh, no. and, and you know what, it won't go in front of the judge with this one. You know what's going to happen with this? That's PayPal so. PayPal will settle. They'll give everybody their money back plus some money for damages to make it go away. Yep, that's yeah. exactly what will happen. The only one who will win is lawyers. Yep. Capitalism for the win. <laughs> um, last thing, we'll make this one kind of brief. John Deere was just hit with a class action lawsuit. Now, this has been something that's been going on for quite a while, and I've actually been pretty familiar with it, not because I'm in the car business, but because I've been reading about this. So when you think of a farmer, you know, Yeah. I've got this big farm and I've got all this John Deere equipment and I'm tilling my field and blah, blah, blah. And one of my tractors go down. You can, you can picture the farmer out there working on his tractor, yeah. getting it working. Cause that's his money. That's well, they're more sophisticated now. So he's not really able to work on it himself, but he's got a local mechanic that could come out and work on it. Except he doesn't because John Deere has locked down certain parts of the repair, uh, specifically what error codes mean and stuff like that from the ECU, yep. that you have to go to an authorized by John Deere only uh, service center, which could be a long ways away, but even if it's not, they're four times as expensive for you know to be able to get it fixed there. And they're the only ones who could fix your tractor because you don't have access to the stuff. They won't give you the tools, the ability because they say it breaks the user agreement. No, that's proprietary software. You, We are not going to give you access to that. So only we can fix this. I, I refer you to my previous comments about corporate America and the, the lack yeah. of, uh, of user consuming. Well, this goes directly to the heart of right to repair. Yeah. And cars dealer, or car manufacturers are guilty of this as well. But when, to a lesser extent. It wasn't. Wasn't the law changed relatively recently in the U.S. to prevent car dealerships from doing this, um, from locking you in? Because it used to be the thing that basically your warranty wasn't offered, wasn't honoured if you didn't get get your car um, main, maintained by the dealerships. 
by the dealership network. Yeah, if that changed, I'm not aware of it. I don't know that that ever I'm was sure a it law, may, unless maybe, it was. Maybe it was here where it changed. But yeah, um, because if it's a manufacturer's warranty, even an extended warranty, any dealership can work on it. But that doesn't mean you could take it to Sears Service Center and have them do a warranty because they're not qualified. They don't have the training or the education to be able to work on it yeah, correctly. I'm pretty sure I, I, I definitely... I definitely read somewhere, on, and as I say, it could have been in the UK, where they they changed the thing that prevented third party. It was it wasn't so much for cars that were in warranty; these were cars that were out of warranty. But um, the 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 car manufacturers are restricting accessibility, same sort of thing, accessibility yep. to authorized parts and to service manuals and to training. Um, to basically try and drive cars that were out of warranty back into the dealerships, where obviously the maintenance costs are more expensive, uh, yep. and and certainly, uh, and as I say, I'm struggling to remember whether it was here in the UK or whether it was in the US, um, that that the law was changed to prevent that sort of anti-competitive action. And and I'm all for that. I'll yeah. be honest with you. I work for a dealership, but um, the right to repair should be just that—a right. Yeah. In, in any manufacturers who's making a product that doesn't allow anybody to work on that product other than whoever they deem um, worthy, it's that's not right. That's not good. Yeah. And that's anti-competitive. That's horseshit. And I'll come down on the other side of that all day long. You know, because Apple was doing the same thing. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. Know, they, they changed some of their policies. They're making it easier now. But, boy, you know... I, I get where you don't want just anybody working on your things, but man, you got to give people choices here. Yeah, you know? I, I, I mean, I don't think that the two things are directly comparable because obviously a, a smartphone is uh, incredibly more complex to open up and change parts in than uh, a tractor. No, I, I th- you're I, I think, 100% wrong on that. I think it's, well, no, no I, you are, I, th- no, I think, you are 100% I think it's, wrong. I, I think it's far more egregious. For, no, for have you ever looked at, well, I agree with you, it's far more egregious That's simply I mean. because, but it's not more complex. No, the we, smartphone you could, is not you could more make complex an, than these you, trailers. You could make an argument that. Uh, have you not watched Clarkson's Farm? Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> you can make you could make an argument that the uh, the level of technical expertise required to reliably open up a smartphone and change a component in it is um considerably more advanced than it no. is to do work on a tractor. No, no, I'm not saying wrong. I'm not saying I agree with the argument. I'm saying you could make an argument, right? I don't think the anybody can make that argument. The difference is is that and also smartphones are a relatively new product where tractors have been on the market for a hundred years. Well, and but so, so is telephones. Yeah, but what the point? The telephones is a poor example because those used no, it's to be not, owned by the phone company. So you, you by law, you weren't allowed to to fiddle and repair. Yeah, but them. even when they weren't, yeah, even when they weren't, it's a, it's a perfect example because the difference between a modern tractor and a tractor built in the seventies is the difference between uh, a a phone from nineteen sixty five and a phone today. It, I mean, our phones today aren't phones; they're computers. Yeah. A phone is just an app and a radio and built inside of it. That's all it is. Um, the complexity of these tractors are such. I'm not joking. It makes working on a car simple. These are very specific things that do a specific thing. That there, there is no comparable. Well, I worked on cars, so I can work on a tractor. 
No, no but, you can't. No, but I'm saying is, is if you've worked on tractors for the last 50 years, you've had a business w- repairing farm equipment, yeah. right? I think it's this is one of those ones where y- you can argue the complexities back and forth, but it's it's like um, indecent material. It's like you know it when but, you see it. The, but the like, problem is nowadays it, with a tractor, it's a software problem well, is the yeah, issue. It's not point, a hardware problem. So is, I'm not just going to swap out a wheel bearing or no, a starter. I understand. This is an actual computer that I'm not going to replace the entire computer. I've got to be a software guy. Right, uh, but you, but the difference is is that if you've had a business for 40 years repairing tractors and then it'll last 10 years... You've because, evolved. Because of all these computer stuff, all of a sudden John Deere is saying you can't do it anymore. I, yeah. I say that to the average man in the street, that sounds far more like bull yeah. than... The, then somebody saying, saying, well, yeah, the iPhone was invented 10 years ago. I need to be able to open it up and change out the CPU. Uh, but I think a lot of people will go, well, you know, iPhone, I could kind of understand that. But a tractor, really? Yeah. And I think this is the... the so you're, you're arguing optics, and I would agree with you. Yeah. The average person would say, well, yeah, that's bullshit with a tractor. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not saying it's right for the phone either. What I'm saying, it's especially bullshit for the tractor. Yeah. And I, and I think you know. this goes to the broader picture of right to repair. And, you know, I, I'm I'm all for it. You know, I, I just, I don't care how complex you make your devices anymore. I bought it. It's mine. I have the right to repair it any goddamn way I want. And I think that should be a law worldwide. Screw you and, you know, you're now, but there are limitations, Yes, I can do whatever I want with my Mac, but I don't have the ability um, to change the operating system and then distribute it to other people. Yeah. And Apple would say, I don't even have the right to screw around with some parts of the system. Yeah. You know? That, well, so. yeah. I, the, the, I've, I've just been go- frantically Googling <laughs> this. So there was a change to right to repair laws in the UK um, in the last year. Um that basically last July they they introduced a new law that gave you more rights to get parts for consumer appliances such as washing but, machines. But not in the U.S.? So was, no, not in the U.S. This was a U.K. See, we went UK again. Law. America yeah. rules. Freedom. America, freedom. Um, so this, this basically stops manufacturers preventing you from getting replacement parts for things like uh, washers, fridge freezers, and it's been stupid stuff like door hinges, um... You know, yeah, if they can lock you in the inter- well, they illegally, can't, they're they, going they to. They can't anymore in the UK. And I agree so, with that. Yeah. I think that's a great law you guys passed. Are you guys accepting um, citizenship by chance? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. We hope you enjoyed it. We'd love to get feedback from you. Real easy to do. Send us an email. The show at techfanpodcast.com. You can always go to Facebook or Twitter and leave a comment there or mymac.com or Facebook or or uh, techfanpodcast.com. We hope just, that just, you guys just email big tech, yeah, big tech, it'll get to us. Big they tech, know. tech fan at internet.com. And yes, that'll, that'll get there. <laughs> um, we hope you guys are enjoying our other sister show, The Geeks Pub. And uh, we do that on the off weeks that we don't yeah. do tech fan and on weeks that we don't take a vacation. And week. next week when we do Geeks Pub, Tim and I can have a big argument. Cause yes, he does. He read he read my article or my post on Facebook, and I knew yeah. 
simply because you didn't comment, I knew you weren't going to agree with me. Leanne goes to me because you know Leanne follows your Facebook page far more than I do. She goes, yeah. she goes. So Tim doesn't like Boba Fett, and I went, "What?" Uh, I didn't say I didn't like Boba Fett. <laughs> I said it's not as good, and I'm disappointed. And the Barbie house speeder bikes was the <laughs> dumbest goddamn thing I've seen, and I don't know how long. <laughs> it was. I was almost an embarrassed. It was. I, I was embarrassed to be a geek at that moment because my wife is sitting there and I'm like, my wife is seeing this. This is so, this is some of the worst CGI I've ever seen (laughs) in the modern world on the dumbest looking bikes on the most unthreatening gang I've ever seen. This is just freaking stupid. And David's going to like it. He's going to be like, it's different. It's we're, Uh, we, we got to embrace. I, we've never seen that in star Wars. That's what we want. No, we don't need to see that in star Wars. (laughs) I don't want to see that in Barbie's Playhouse, let alone Star Wars. Tune in next week, guys, and you'll hear my thoughts on it. Which and we're going to be talking about. Hopefully, David's watched it by then. Ghostbusters Afterlife. <laughs> Ghostbusters. You are now I've got to watch Ghostbusters. You've just made me watch Spider Man. Yes. Yeah, but you got to watch Ghostbusters. <laughs> and trust me, you're going to be happy to watch this Ghostbusters movie. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Bye, I'll David. See you then. Bye.